Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We are Spark. FM. Welcome along to the Wise Men CF for Spark FM with you for these summer months. We're trying to squeeze out some SAFC stuff for you today, but we can't ignore the fabulous World Cup that we're witnessing either. So add our list to the second part of our England inquest that we didn't have time to finish last week, and there's plenty of stuff for you tonight, despite this being a relatively quiet week domestically. I'm Stephen Goldsmith. I'm with Gareth Barger. Say hi. Hello. <laughs> we're joined in the studio by Sunderland correspondent for the Evening Chronicle, James Hunter, who, am I right in thinking you're celebrating the 15-year mark or something, James? It was. It was 15 years uh, Fifteen years last Friday uh, since I started at uh, the Chronicle covering Sunderland. Mm. Bit of a milestone anniversary. So what season was that? Uh, it was just after the promotion to the Premier League. So Which uh, one we've had loads? <laughs> <laughs> the after one 15 years after ago. The, yeah. After the 105-point season. Oh, that's a good time. Just after that. So just you after they've been promoted, yeah. Right, so the seventh place finished. Any sort of games or seasons or standout, either disappointing or for positive or negative? Yeah, there's been loads to be honest with you. I mean, obviously those first two uh, first two seasons doing this job, uh, the two seventh place finishes were were fantastic. Obviously, the uh, two promotion years were were great. Um, mm. The one under um, Mick McCarthy, the one under Roy Keane, fantastic. Uh, cup final last year, great escape. Mm. There's been there's been loads of, of of good times along along the way there. Uh, there's been a fair degree of disappointment as well. You know, the, yeah, the, the, tell us about it. The two relegations, you, you know, I, I mean, are two of the two of the worst relegations that probably any reporter has had to to cover. <laughs> uh, you know, 15 point and 19 point seasons. Um, Positive side, a lot of material though. If you think about it that, plenty way. of material, yeah, plenty. <laughs> plenty <laughs> of material. Sunderland lose again. Yeah, yeah. Well, f- f- for me, <laughs> the, for me, the sad, the sad thing is that they just never built on those two mm. seventh place finishes. Had yeah. they, th- that's that's the that's the big downside of it. I think sort of infamy. There's, all, there's always a reason that phone-ins are busier and whatnot when pe- teams are losing because people like the mm. losing, losing or winning. What you don't want, everybody wants mid-table mediocrity and stability well, I don't know about that. until you get it. <laughs> until you get it, and then <laughs> yeah. you get bored with it, don't yeah. you? Then you sack, look at, yeah. at Russ under yeah. Martin O'Neill. Then you sack Alan Kerbishley. Yeah. That's what that's it, what happens. And it's, ju- it's just like, like the Europa League, isn't it? Everybody <laughs> wants to be in it until you're in it. Yeah, uh, I still want to be in it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm going to ask you when you qualified. We well, d- we we draw. Will we still be alive then? We draw. <laughs> we draw Shamrock Rovers and go out or something else. No, we will. We will. That will be our luck. You're like you get a trip to Ireland, and that's it. Definitely. Yeah, I think we'll probably, dr- probably 
draw a team in Kazakhstan or something like that. That's what would happen. Yeah, that'd be just just Sunderland's luck, yeah. though, wouldn't it? Somewhere wasn't tourist friendly. And well, just miles away. I'd be left with a pocket full of Kazakhstan change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never, be, never to go there again. Mm. <laughs> Nobody know the currency for Kazakhstan. No, <laughs> I can Google it. <laughs> I'll come uh, back here later with the currency for Kazakhstan. Is there any sort of Anecdotes you want to shelve as gems from the road, or uh, there's, been, there's been so many. <laughs> Some of them will get people into trouble. But I mean, I can remember one um, famous occasion being wound, winding up in the wrong country uh, half an hour before a game. That was particularly the uh, wrong country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a particular achievement. Myself and uh, <laughs> another guilty party who shall remain nameless um, <laughs> were uh, and covering Sunderland's pre-season tour in uh, in Belgium in what would that be 2000. Two or 2003, 2002, and uh, uh, we, we got a, a train to to a pre-season friendly. Uh, unbeknown to us, the uh, train divided into two. Uh, the announcement was made in uh, Flemish. Mm. My, my Flemish not being no. not quite uh, not what up, it should to, up be. to scratch. Yeah. In a, you know, and I failed my G- GCSE <laughs> Flemish, and uh, uh, not not knowing this, I should have got out of the. Uh, uh, out of the train at a certain point or been in the right carriage and the first I knew that we were in Holland um, was when we got a text on the mobile phone saying uh, welcome to Holland um, and you could smell a certain smell <laughs> uh, a certain aroma <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about that <laughs> tulips yeah, yeah well exactly yeah, yeah. What, what did you bacon. think I, what did you think I meant yeah. <laughs> tulips and bacon that's what but we managed to make it for. just about on time mm. just Right. That's Danish bacon, isn't that Dutch yeah, bacon? What am I yeah, talking I don't know about? What you're yeah. talking clogs. About that's I the just, thing. Yeah, the I smell of clogs. I don't like the, the exposure when you say stuff like this. Rich. <laughs> I would. Uh, I'd like to think that if you made that mistake, I would expose you. So I, would, I think <laughs> it's only fair that you bully me back. Fair okay. enough. Okay. Bear that in mind. Right. <laughs> there isn't much to talk about Sunderland. Really, it is. It is quite slow. But again, like I say every week, we don't like speculating and talking about potential transfers and stuff. But I just think it's interesting. The stuff that Chris Young's been um, putting in the echo regarding Jordan much because it, it appears that they've put a £5 million price tag on him and I just wanted to know people's thoughts on that really. Is it a year or is it a near, Gareth? Um, <coughs> I, I, I appreciate that none of us know that much about him. Yeah, um, so I, I'm not expecting you to sort of hit me with loads of stats and say why he wouldn't fit in our team and why he would, but... You know, generally what you know about him and stuff, because we we were missing that attack and thrust from midfield last season. Well, I'll tell you what I know about him is that he scored against us when we played them, and then he tried to get Catamull yes, sent off did. and he, he got so up. annoyed that he ended up getting himself booked, which was quite funny. Mm. And I think there was he had a bit, a bit of a stinker over here, but they all did. To be I fair, think I think there was a bit of quite a nice uh, little bit of sort of mutual respect between Catamull and Muchdu and that whole thing. And I think they had a bit of a laugh about it afterwards, which was good to see. Which. Yeah, that's all. That's all, and that's all. I, know. I haven't seen enough of them <laughs> to honestly think understand how he'd be used in the. I, in well, the I team. think I, w- I was I was doing a little bit of research today for, for this reason, and from from what I can gather, you know, they played a midfield three a lot, and he was one of the attacking ones. You know, they had Medell behind him, and he played with the South Korean player. Can anybody remember his name? I've got it written down somewhere. And um, I can't Kim. Find it. Yes, Which he was a narky, wasn't he? Well, Kim? put it in, in theory, you know, that isn't a bad midfield three, is it? Really, and yet they struggled. Um, Any midfield three for you is not a bad midfield. No, three. no, that's not true. <laughs> that's certainly not true. Um, I was very impressed with uh, Jordan Much down at uh, um, uh, down at Cardiff um, in at, the first uh, game. In, yeah. in the first yeah. game, just uh, just after Christmas. Uh, I thought he was far and away the the best 
player on the day. He got mm. the goal, but aside from that, he was just a constant, mm. a constant menace. Really, he could have been sent off in mm. in that game. Uh, he got away with a very early dive, which he didn't get booked for. Um, I think, or did he get booked for the dive and then get away with another <laughs> offence later? I can't remember. <laughs> Either way, he yeah. should have he should have got two yeah. bookings that that game. Um, and didn't. Right. Um, so we've got. got so we're going to have him alongside Callum, <laughs> and we're going to have two thugs in our yeah. side. Is that what you're saying? Um, and <laughs> and he was he was far and away the, m- the most Im- impressive player yeah. in in that game. And he scored seven goals l- last year in a relegated mm. team from midfield, which, well, which isn't bad. Um, we've, we've missed that attack and thrust, haven't we? Because yeah. we now we now look and we have Catamol and we have Larson and then we have Gomez come in and we're all sort of continuity players that, that will keep the ball ticking over for you. But we've, we've missed that sort of. Somebody with a bit purplefulness. Purpleness. 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 Yeah. Purpleness. Alex Ferguson, purple-like, like features um, in the midfield. Though, and I mean, one name that I always thought of was John Joe Shelby. Um, now, ironically, um, he might be getting joined by um, uh, Sigurdsson from Tottenham. Yeah. Um, who was another player who people sort of earmarked for us, a signing who could possibly work for us. So. Is it? Is he? Is he up to that standard? Because he isn't really, you know, what we know of him. He doesn't seem to be, does he? So, I, I, I know it's a lazy thing for when people say, "Oh, we don't want to sign a, a player from a relegated side," and that is a little bit short-sighted. However, you know, I've, it is. It's, it's, it is a short-sighted um, view in, in, in my eyes. I mean, don't forget when when Sunderland were relegated in uh, in two thousand and three. Uh, Kevin Phillips, Thomas Sorensen, these kind of players were were sold. You lose your best. Players, some of them are, are far and away, you know, good, good Premier League standard players, um, and and I would certainly put much in in that category um, from from Cardiff. For, for me, he was he was he was their best. So player. would you would you pay a five million pound for him? I mean, if all, you if you all, thought you could get him all last season, they raved about the goalkeeper at Cardiff. I didn't think he was that great. Really? No, 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 I didn't. Um, but. I thought that uh, that much was much mm. far the better player. Mm, you're going to say much much better there, weren't you? Almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so would you pay a five million pound from? Um, it seems if you could prepare off a three and a half, uh, yeah. it seems a bit silly not to just. Yeah, I, th- I, I don't think it would be a bad deal. I mean, for for a, a young English talent, mm. um, the fact that he's English obviously makes a difference to the price tag um, the wor- with the way that the uh, squad setup works. Um, so yeah, I probably would. I probably would. I probably, I probably try and sn- sneak in a little bit l- below that. Bear in mind, he's only got a year left on his on his contract. I'd, I'd try and get him for a little bit less, but I could probably have my arm twisted to pay five <laughs> if I had to. Gareth, oh, it's not my money, so he can do what he wants with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll spend his five million on that mm. player. So if you're but listening, if, Ellis, if, if I approve. If we can play a football manager for yeah, a well, I don't know. I don't see. I don't know. It's. It seems to be the going know, rate look, for that. Look, it seems to be yeah. the going rate for that type of player. Um, the English you know, they might be yeah. able. They might be able to do a deal where they get it down to like maybe four, four point five or something. That these the, yeah. they're saying they want five, but they're relegated. You, you tend to be able to to pick teams off, and you got to be ruthless. You, if they want him desperately, then they should they should wait. Um, especially if the player's been sounded out. I don't know if he has, and if he's interested in a move to Sunderland, then then. Um, there's there's no reason why they should force it like they did with Fletcher. Um, they should try and get the best deal they possibly can. Um, but then that, I think that'll go on with 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 these types of players when you're looking at you know around that five million pound mark. I don't I don't I know there's more money in the game now with the with the um, TV money, but you've still got to spend it wisely. Uh, and you know I think I think there's I know there was a there was talk about. 
a marquee signing and or well not a marquee signing was that a big money signing or purse strings will be go through a all sta- the cliches a statement yeah. statements go through all yeah. the cliches that are available yeah. to, to suggest I like marquee signing them yeah. we'll stick with marquee uh, a marquee signing a big signing an expensive signing whoever that may be <coughs> so it would it be Barini you don't know um, I think if you're going to bring in a, um, a marquee signing in inverted commas um, you'd want a known quantity, so uh, if you're going and to spend of mid- big money, ideally for me, um, Barini would be the one that I would I would mm. go for. I, don't, I wouldn't want to suddenly splash out, say, you know, eleven, twelve million pounds on uh, an unknown quantity from abroad, or mm. or sh- not an unknown quantity necessarily, but uh, a player who's unproven in the Premier League from abroad. Um, you know, and you just when he arrives, you're just hoping that he works out. Well, we had that with Jackarini and and Altidore, uh, of course. But, uh, you know, again, people apply lazy assumptions to the Dutch league in the same way that they apply lazy assumptions to players who relegate from the championship and and stuff like that. Um, You know, there's good examples and bad examples from from all the areas. Uh, I mean, Suarez, a great signing from the Dutch league. Um, uh, Josie Altidore hasn't been. Um, Luke de Jong at at Newcastle last season wasn't, um, you know, so... Like you say, you can you can pick good examples and bad, can't you? Will his brother be better? Is it his brother? I think. Is it? I don't know. Are they relate. I, I thought they were related. I don't know. Possibly not. I Couldn't think tell you about that. I, I thought I read that somewhere the other day, but I didn't know if somebody just joking. Or not, I've seen the story today, but I haven't read it in detail, so I'm not mm. sure. Mm. Purposefulness is the word. I'm no, he's, he's got there in the I end. I it only yes. took six minutes. I prefer <laughs> purpleness. Purpleness. <laughs> Yeah, well, we apologise again for you know speculating. It's not something we'd like to do, but you've got to understand we've got to try and milk, milk yeah, yeah, we've got to milk some content out for tonight's show because England are out. Let's be fair; we it need might to be find like, some yeah. sun and stuff from yeah, somewhere. It might be like this for the next sort of two or three <laughs> yeah. weeks. So bear with us. Mm. Right, we're going to speak to the enemy now. Those of you that listen to the excellent football ramble will be aware that Pete Donaldson is a Newcastle fan. He's from that Newcastle suburb, Hartlepool. Uh, we'll be talking to fans of all Premier League clubs before the season starts. This week, it's our friends up the road. When we come back from that, we're taking a trip to a Tyneside flat to see how two famous tenants are getting along. Here's what Pete said earlier. OK, Pete, we're going to start with the obvious one. Jack Colback. how dare you? Yes. <laughs> I didn't realise he was so loved until he, uh, <laughs> until he joined Newcastle United. I don't think he was. I think it's just a fact he's weren't there, to be honest. Yeah, well, it's it's it's, a, it's not a well uh, travelled path. I think the last one was um, the Lionel Perez back in the day. Goodness me. Yeah, right. possibly. And, and who remembers? Oh, he? Steve Caldwell. <laughs> Steve Caldwell came this way once. Yeah, yeah. I th- well, I think he's got like yeah. I think it, they've gone the other way a lot, a lot more often. Like mm. Lee stuff like that. But then I guess Paul Bracewell played a bit in the Barry Venison. I think mm. he didn't. He, didn't he play uh, briefly? He started when he came no, through. Yeah. He, yeah, he came through at Sunderland uh, Venison, then went to Liverpool, didn't he? Yeah. But yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Similar that's right. to the Paul Bracewell yeah. one, I guess, in a way. But how how's it been received there? Well, yeah, I, I, for me, well, for me, and I think for a lot of people that, that, that I know, obviously, I'm not a resident in the, in the town, but um, I think it's 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 interesting because he's not really he's not really the midfielder we need to a certain extent. He's kind of like he's kind of like that Czech Tioti kind of role for me. Like he's he's busy and, and stuff, but he, uh, but um, he doesn't really. Um, he doesn't really provide a massive attacking threat, which I think that's what we needed after Kabai left. Uh, I presume that they're going to try and fill the Kabai role, but at the moment, I mean, you've got Vernon Nita in that spot. You've got um, other players that can fill in, so I'm not really sure. It's a, it's a bit of a strange one, but if he wanted to come, 
he's a very very good footballer and uh, no doubt we'll be moving a couple of players on during the summer because that kind of kind of seems to be the sort of thing that we do now um, so he's a welcome addition but, but where he's going to fit in I don't really know to be honest yeah, It's an interesting one I'm waiting to, waiting to find out as well because he, he'll keep the ball for you but uh, I think you're right he needs to be surrounded by better more attacking players if he's, if he's to shine anyway you've yeah, just, it's, it's, you've just signed another De Jong you had a De Jong last year what's all that about I, I read on Twitter the other day too to um, what is it again? Two Deongs don't make a right. That's not mine. Yeah, I've pinched that's it. A, I've pinched that's it. A, that's a, that's yeah. a beautiful piece of work, isn't it? Isn't it? It's wonderful. Uh, yeah. It's, again, like, again, he looks like he's coming to um, fulfil that kind of more uh, Kabai role, but just, just as long as he keeps the other Deong away from you, can't you? I'm very happy because he's not. Did he's they get the wrong one then? Do you like, think? Did they get the wrong I one? I think we did. I think. I think. I think they bought the wrong one. But I think we get if we send one back, we're allowed a replacement. I think. Yeah. I think that's how it works. But. um no, it was uh, yeah. He didn't he didn't have the greatest start to his Newcastle career, and or middle or finish really. So, <laughs> um, I'm kind of glad to see the back of him, to be quite frank. Going by Twitter, yeah, yeah, going by the Twitter reaction, the one you've got now is the best, one of the best players in the world, or is he? Uh, whoever we sign <laughs> is the best player in the world, isn't it? Really, I mean, I think that that, that shows the level of desperation in uh, Newcastle United at the moment. You know, at least at least in Sunderland, uh, you buy the odd odd player, and you actually. You actually improve players in Newcastle United. We we buy decent players and seem to ruin them. So it doesn't matter what state the footballer comes in at at Newcastle. They just seem to get worse and worse. So we'll we'll get one season out of them and then we'll we'll just jettison. I think that's why we take so many loan players because mm. we know we'll ruin them by the end of, <laughs> by the end of uh, the tenure. Well, one player who's sort of got a, a decent reputation. He went in as a kind of high-profile player. And he's he could be going out as a high-profile player. You're right back to Bushi. Are you worried about losing him? Yeah, I mean, again, like he's never really turned in. I think he's a decent, decent, um, a decent footballer. But again, like maybe it's just the way that Newcastle underperformed at certain times in the season. Our defence just looked shaky all the way through, and he can attack, but um, you know, with, with his, with his, uh, whenever he has to backtrack and do do any work, he just seems a little bit slow and a little bit ponderous on the ball for me. Um, but then again, you know, a lot of players that we've seen. Play poorly week in week out for Newcastle United over the you know 2013 2014 season. They've put in some performances in the World Cup that make me think, oh well, maybe we are just a crappy club that yeah. just ruins players. I know it's similar to England in a way, isn't it? They have loads of decent players <laughs> and then just just they're just awful with it. Um, so following on from that, I guess you're not convinced of Pardew as a guy then still. I just, I just think I just think the way that he he, he sets up his teams. He, he, there were certain points in the season where he brought on players and they put in a performance. I just think the way that we sideline players like Gail Bigger Imana. Uh, I'll just call him Biggie. Yeah. Uh, Biggie, the, Biggie. The notorious um, Biggie. <laughs> the, the notorious Biggie, Biggie. Uh, and uh, also um, like you know even players like Sammy Amiobi. You know what I mean? He's, he's come on. He's played decent. Uh, he's put in decent performances, better than like a, a lot of uh, a lot of footballers we've had in the last. No, you, you just want you just want Amiobi. You want Amiobi to come through just because the last one's left, and you want someone to score against Sunderland, right? I had, I had so, exactly, and I had so much hope for um, Sean Amiobi back in the day. I just get a bit <laughs> excited, I think, and and I know I'm foolish, but I just think that uh, when I've seen Sean, uh, when I've seen Sammy play rather. Um, I don't think he's put a foot wrong really I thought he's worked that left channel really well and and he knows how to beat a player he looks he doesn't look like a footballer he looks as gangly as hell but you know you can level that a lot of uh, footballers in Newcastle and, and outside of Newcastle as well it's a it's a strange one I just don't think we we for all the, for all the times that Newcastle sort of whine and whinge about us not 
um, producing it uh, about there not being uh, any decent England players around to um, you know fly the flag for Newcastle United. I just think that that we don't um, we don't have any sort of um, youth policy. The last player to really come through is probably Stephen Taylor back in the day. It's, it's depressing. Mm. So you got your pinch Jack Cole back from us instead, right? What? Yeah, and what you're hoping? <laughs> what you're hoping for for the season and what you're expecting? Uh, I just, you know what? It's every year I say the exact same thing. Just a cup run. I want a cup run. I'd, I'd like to get to like the semis of something, but you know, Newcastle at the end of this season, you know, uh, you know, pin their colours to the mast and basically said that we're not interested in mm. cups. Um, historically, um, teams who have won cups or have got really far in cups. Um, haven't fared well in the Premier League that season or the next season and you know I think NUSC.com did like an expose of that and just sort of said no that's absolute crap it might have happened a couple of times they've won you know somebody who's won the FA Cup have gone down but they've had other problems at the club and that's happened and uh, and it's just not true in the slightest I mean I think success follows success for me and I'd just really like to see um, you know I, you know, I was I was at the um, I was at the uh, Cup Final um, the, the the Sutherland match and it was just like it was so much fun to see a northeast team at Wembley, you know, we, we like, you know, the, the, the Sunderland fans, they, they lit the place up really. It was, um, it was beautiful to see, and I just, I just dream of a, of a cup run. That's all, but we're not going to have it, and it annoys me every single time. Mm, it is. I can speak for Sunderland fans here. Certainly reignited our season. So, what, what, what are you expecting, or like league, league table wise, realistically? Um, I think I don't think we'll go down. But I don't think we'll be bothering the, the top half of the, the table. Um, you know, there's, there's having, we're losing a lot of players, and we lost a lot of players in January, February. Um, so I think we need, I think we do need to um, strengthen. We're not going to strengthen enough, in, in my humble opinion. Um, we're, we're, again, it looks like we're mainly, apart from like a couple of big ticketers and big ticket in Newcastle United's world nowadays, is like five million, six million. Um, I don't think we're going to strengthen enough so I don't think we'll go down but I don't think we'll uh, bother the top half of the table and I think um, I think Pardew's um, seat will be as safe as it always is as it ever is because you know Mike Ashley has no appetite for getting rid of him at all because you know it'll cost him money one way or the other if you believe, if the rumours are to be believed um, I, I just think it's, um, it's it's not a great time to be a Newcastle supporter but you know people are still turn up in their droves um, and uh, to watch them I suppose Okay, thanks to Pete there. Now, we all know how managers come up to the northeast and try to endear themselves to the punters up here. Alan Pardew is such a guy, and it's hilarious to hear his accent sort of contradict his attempts to, well... Integrate himself. Yeah, integrate. That's a great word, Gareth. Thanks. Um, We also have Steve Bruce, who, of course, blames (laughs) his Tyneside roots on (coughs) his sacking here at Sunderland, which is a bit... Silly, really. Um, did you ever wonder what might happen if those two lived in the Quayside flat together? No. Probably not. Right, well, we've got the first part of a six-part series, What a little thing we've put together, a little sketch called The Flat. In the topsy-turvy world of Premier League football management, extreme situations call for extreme measures. Two disenfranchised bosses brought together by fate, desperation and an undying mutual determination to prove just how Geordie they are. Steve Bruce and Alan Pardew are in the flat. Well, you know, I'm absolutely delighted to finally settle down. Find myself a place I can truly call home. On the quayside, absolutely. Steve Bruce, after sharing a Sunderland flat with Darren Bent for 18 months, Bent departed, leaving Bruce alone 
frightened and fearing for his life. Well, after Benji left, it was tough, you know. I was up there all on my own. Anyone who knows the Northeast will tell you about the expectation levels. In the end, it's fair to say, I was hounded out of my place in Sunderland. It's tough being a Geordie on Wearside, that's for sure. Yes, I got my backside kicked, but you've got to keep going. I had to find a place closer to home, amongst my own people. Absolutely. Unfortunately for Steve, his penchant for signing overpriced strikers meant his dream of that quayside apartment may remain just that. A dream. A Geordie dream. I'd been saving up, you know, giving myself an opportunity to mix it with the big boys down there by the time. But, when Longy and Nikita became available, I had to act. Then there was Yannick Sagbo, you know. You're only as good as your strikers, that's for sure. I took Danny Graham on. I heard Fraser was also available, so I stuck a bid in for him. Then there was Ben Jarney and Asamoah, and the boy Robbie Blake. It's undeniable how well these boys have done for me, that's for sure. Steve hit rock bottom in his striker addiction. The straw that brought the camels back came in a form nobody could possibly imagine. Well, when a boy like Adi Akinbae comes onto the market, you have to act. The lad is a seasoned pro, a top-level striker, there's no doubt. And if you've ever seen the lad with his top off, when he comes out those showers, towel-draped, water beating from his flaxen locks, it's a sight to behold, that's for sure. With no money left for rent, Steve was floundering. To cover costs, he needed a flatmate. But he didn't have to look far. A shed out the back of St James's Park, to be precise. Well, Mike's budget wouldn't stretch to any decent permanent accommodation for me, so... I was living in the shed for about two years out the back of the ground and was struggling with no sleep, and as a result I was tired when it came to match days. I had a back problem from the bed I was using, which meant the results were starting to suffer. Grime Carr was trying to sort me out of place, but you can only find reasonable digs out in France. Then I was in talks about moving in with Yoan, but he left, and then we were struggling to find somewhere. I heard through the grapevine that Steve was struggling to find a flatmate, so I suggested we clap together and get ourselves a nice place. Obviously, I was delighted when Alan stepped up to the plate. Absolutely. He's a man after my own art. He knows the pressures involved in what it's like up here. It's like a goldfish bowl, there's no doubt about that. But we true Geordies are stronger together, make no mistake. We can't wait to get moved in, that's for sure. A match made in heaven, or is it? After just a few days together, the cracks are starting to show. Ah, there we go. That looks fantastic. Pride of place. Where it deserves to be. No doubt about that. Oi, Steve. What's all this racket I've been hearing about? I was trying to have a nap because I was tired from the moving in. What's that? A certificate? Absolutely, Alan. My pride and joy. My tenth place finish certificate of achievement. My greatest achievement, absolutely. Right above the fireplace, where it belongs. Sorry, Steve, but I'd already earmarked that mental piece from our Manager of the Year award. There we are. Sorry, Steve, but the trophy is so big we were struggling to see your certificate. You're going to have to move it. Well, Alan, I'm outraged at such disrespect and insolence towards one of football's greatest achievements. I'm disgusted, in fact. Once again, I've been hounded out, that's for sure. You'll not hear the last of this. Spurred on by rage and depression, Steve lapses into bad habits and makes a decision that could affect the dynamic of the flat forever. Oi, Steve, where's the rent money? The jar's empty. 
Sorry, Alan, but after a little set too early, I was in uncontrollable rage. I had a bit of a relapse and splurged all the cash. I've bought another striker. Oh, Steve, we'll be straggling to pay the rent now. Who is it? Come on now, Alan. It was a great come, deal. Come on, Steve, who is it? Well, Alan, when a player of this quality comes available, you have to be interested. No doubt about who, who it. Who is it, Steve? Come on. It's Trevor Benjamin, Alan. Alan is furious. He doesn't know whether to be more angry about the fact Trevor Benjamin is an early millennium niche football reference has been, or the fact that Newcastle still couldn't afford a player of that calibre on their meagre budget. Either way, Brucey and Pards need to find a way to pay that rent. Well, there's only one thing for it. We're going to have to bring somebody else in to help us along. But who, Steve? But who? Brucey and Pard's flatmate search begins in earnest, but who will be the first candidate? Join us next week to find out on the flat. BAFTA's on route for that, James, do you think? Definitely, definitely. I like that. I like that. That's good. That's good. Average. Very Se- poor. No, I think it's good. If it was on Novelty Island, it would have been removed well before. No, I know. You've been uh, harsh on yourself. The voice second, o- the voiceover sec- just reminds me of Big Brother. That was, <laughs> Sorry, that that was the idea, yeah. <laughs> um, second instalment of that is next week, the sixth of those, all in all. So we'll get them all before the summer's out and before we um, say our goodbyes from this little thing of the project, I guess. Mm. Um, I just want to mention in the interview with Peter, the two de Jongs don't make a right. It wasn't my tweet. It was a lad called Matty Wilson. MJWSEFC is his Twitter hanger. Just he might have nicked it. I, he might have nicked it, but I don't like to take credit for such things. And that's not. I don't know who you are. So if you're listening, <laughs> I think he follows the account. Or he might be. He might just have come across it. But um, if you listen, I'm not accusing you of theft. Hmm. Right, you don't work for the, the Lad Bible or something like that. Okay, I'm not saying you steal. He tweets. might. He might. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, do, do I throw you off there? No, no. Just uh, got a. Cough. Yeah, a frog in my throat, yeah. Mm, are we going to play the Andy in, in and arounds end game now? If you want. Yeah. Let's, let's do, do that then. For that one, having that diagonal ball in and around Jao Pereira, who's a very game right back for Portugal, but he's not the biggest. Twice I heard him say that in the last game, Andy mm, Townsend. I think in it was three in and around. There was a, a one of them was in and around the 18 yard area, though, which is the best. Uh, the thing is, that actually works logically. In and around. It does. I said it to you in a, in a private conversation. Yeah, you can't be in the in and around. In, in, in the in and around? <laughs> that sounds like some sort of weird, like through the looking glass, psychedelic trip. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Commentary moment. You can be in the in and around. Are you in the moment? Mm. Well, we had a conversation just off air today, me and Gareth, as we often do, speak about football and I, I, I found myself apologising before it came up. We were talking tactics, and I said, I'm going to apologise for this, but in and around the 18 yard area. That just mm, it does work. Yeah, I think um, does, yeah. the, the, the moment was uh, he used to, he had, there was two betters and an in and around in the space of a minute, which was a fantastic effort, I thought, from Townsend, probably the commentary moment of the, of the tournament, aside from obviously uh, Pierce's. Gaff, yeah, which was which was hilarious. You know, mm-hmm. It's uh, you know you, you'll never topple that, really. I, I don't think so. I think that that will go down in, in commentary history. Mm-hmm. You could do sort of a montage of all the commentary, never mind all the goals of this World mm. Cup, couldn't you? And it would be great. Yeah, uh, yeah. Okay, well, it started out the game as just pointing out some dodgy cliches, and it evolved into a discussion about <coughs> maybe annoying narratives commentators have. And last week we just used it to praise Danny Murphy, so it's a bit of an open book. We're just gonna, we're yeah. just, anybody who's got anything they want to say yeah. about commentators, they can just throw it in. And um, what I will say is, because as all eight group winners progressed out of the group, apparently that's the first time this has happened. Seven in the World Cup last year, I think I heard somebody say. Um, you can give yourself a shot for every time you hear something along the lines of it's down to the big hitters or this is just the heavyweights left in the tournament you can guarantee one of the games the intro commentary mm. will be all eight teams have won the group this is the big boys or something Clive yeah, Tursey's yeah. going to give you a bit of that isn't he mm. yeah definitely that'll, that'll yeah. as much as we praised Danny Murphy last week I've got to say I think he led himself a bit down the commentary in the USA game he was mm. patronising times uh, kept saying they should be proud every five minutes yeah so there's seems a lot of that sort of sort of patronising goes on with certain teams you know, the t- teams have got their you know the World Cup you, you tend to get there on merit one way or the other um, and I think that teams like Algeria and uh, the USA in particular and Costa Rica probably does deserve a little bit more um, well they're getting credit but I think legitimate credit I don't know if that's the right word I'm looking for but mm. I think it's a you know, it'd be fair to treat them with a bit of more respect. I think. I think, uh, you know, like you say, it's, it's patronising and it's pat on head time. What you what you don't uh, what you don't tend to to hear so much is you didn't you didn't hear England being praised to the heavens for holding the group leaders Costa Rica um, <laughs> to a goalless draw, did you? You didn't hear mm. a great deal of that. Mm. Um, but that's sh- surely surely that's an achievement that should have been celebrated in the same way. But they wouldn't do it to England, so why did they do it to other teams? Mm. Mm. Teams that have easy target gen- America, you know, I think, aren't they? Teams yeah. that have gone further than Team, England teams in that the have competition. Yeah. Okay, have you ever been uh, asked to do any core commentary, James, in your fifteen years? Um, I haven't. No, never, never. Um, so I am available. Wedding, <laughs> weddings, <laughs> yeah. bar mitzvahs as well. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah. No, no. Um, yeah, we'll all we'll all put our names down for that. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. I never have. I've done uh, one or two, you know, radio interviews before games and. Um, and after games, I've, I've even I remember even many moons ago before I even took the Sunderland uh, or the, the job up here at Sunderland. Um, I've I've done stuff on uh, on video back in in the nineties when I was covering Bradford City, but um, no, I've never done core commentary. Don't know whether I'd be any good at it. Mm. So did you cover Bradford when they had a decent team? Then when they were, were they getting promoted to the yeah, I, I covered Bradford the, the, the year they got they got promoted with Sunderland, yeah. and then after they got both promoted, um, that's when I took the job up uh, here in the northeast. Mm. So they can blame you for leaving for going down. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah exactly. Yeah, the mighty Lee Mills. 
Mm. Mm. They were doing fine when I left them. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what people think about sides generally. We'll, we'll, we'll mention USA there, so I guess we'll stick with that and start on them. Shall we, uh, Shall we, do, should uh, we do the Alador watch we should, It'll be the last Alador yeah. watch, for, un, unless he does something in pre-season. Come on a no, I didn't. No, no, it's been a bit of a disappointing uh, <laughs> feature that one yeah, from the from the outset. Seemed like a good idea, and then for 17 minutes until he pulls his hamstring, and then we've been floundering since then. Well, it's, it seems odd, doesn't it, that he's been uh, the only Sunderland player at the World Cup. That's mm. the, that in itself. Uh, mm. I'm sure that in previous World Cups, there's always been two or three to mm-hmm. follow. Sweden normally qualifies for these things, so you Seb Larsson yeah. would have been there. Uh, I know. I know. Obviously, Sunderland fans will have added a. Uh, an in interest in seeing Key, obviously. Mm. Um, who was that? And, and it would have been Jacarini had he made made the squad. But the only the only actual Sunderland player that's actually made it to the <laughs> to the tournament was uh, Josie, and it was all over in tw- mm. twenty minutes. Yeah. Mm. But uh, you, you were safe. F- sort of caught people's imagination. All of them were. Uh, we, you know, we're not going to patronise them. We're going to say the play to the limitations. That's you know goes without saying, doesn't it? But it just shows it. A good cohesive system that works, it can take you a long way, can't it? Yeah, I'm, I mean that that game uh, the other night um, with the, the USA. I thought it was one of the most exciting games of, of, of the tournament that, that I've seen, and and they, they really did look like they were they were going to get that equaliser at the end. And then, you know, had that have gone in, had any of those sort of half chances or, or three quarter chances gone mm-hmm. in, then then it really, you know, it really would have been anything could happen, couldn't it? Obviously, you go to penalties and. Mm. The way the way the country sort of catching football favour in a mm. way, it kind of reminds me of England at the turn of the century. Obviously, there's a massive difference, cultural differences. We aren't as sort of in your face maybe as, as possibly the Americans are, yeah. but there was a sort of you know that that sense of patriotism or at the start of the turn of the century seemed to be like that with England or certainly Euro '96. Um, I think Euro '96 was there. It's lost the a little bit though, yeah. hasn't it? It's lost a little bit, and it's, it's kind of like I think there's a variety of reasons for that. that well, it is. Could yeah. be it could be for three hours to talk about that. I well, think. we're running short on content, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think a teams. I think USA definitely, and I think tactically, sort of when you take into account the players that teams have got available, um, the teams that they've had to play, I think tactically. Algeria and USA have been the two best teams in the tournament, um, easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- you know that that Germany Algeria game was uh, that was the USA game was excellent, but I think the, the Algeria Germany game was my favourite game of the tournament. It was just like when they kicked they off. Fa- they so found yeah. a weakness. It was like they, exp- yeah. they tried to exploit it, didn't they? Yep. It, it was like they just went like the kick off, and it was like right next goal the winner. That's what it felt yeah. like, and it was it yeah. was just they went toe to toe, and you know Algeria, you know managed to sort of stifle the threat to an extent and as the game wore on Germany sort of started to break them down more yeah. often but in the first half you felt Algeria maybe they had, in the first 35-40 minutes they had to take one of those yeah. chances and they didn't mm, you, could, you, you could see what was coming couldn't you yeah. but I mean, I mean you, you, can, you can chuck in the um, Argentina-Iran game into there as well yeah. that was another mm. another game which, which had uh, uh, everybody beforehand thought it was a, a virtually foregone conclusion mm. and uh, Iran had some fabulous chances in the second half and, and could easily have won and in, international football went, went quite cagey for a while didn't it and sort of Jürgen Klinsmann of Germany in 2006 sent a German team out that really went for it, which surprised everybody because it was against the sort of German culture and tradition, wasn't it? And then 
2010 was rubbish. <laughs> I could think of better words for it. It was quite slow and, and um, cagey. Um, but the, the European Championships two years ago were quite good in attacking. And then this World Cup just seems to have gone up and get elevated to another level. Do you think it's just a case of... Because I think everybody can appreciate that the standard isn't as good as the Champions League, probably. Um, there's a look because Champions League sides are generally strong from start to finish. They have cover for each position. Do you think it's almost a case of some of these countries saying, OK, well, we've got one or two world-class players. These sides have weaknesses. We're just going to go for this. A def- the attack is the best form of defence, mm. almost. There's something. There's a mentality change, hasn't it, in the last couple of years? And it's, um, it's been better for us. It's made better viewing, certainly, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, after the World Cup in South Africa, which was <coughs> dreadful, um, you know, this one's been the best one of my lifetime, I think. Um, it's been it's just been fantastic there to watch and you know the the fact that there's been sort of teams that you maybe wouldn't expect to get through is, is sort of brightened it up a bit um, you know people enjoying Colombia who usually are a last 16 team themselves but basically they're, they're in sort of a relatively familiar climate so I think that's benefited them um, I fancy Colombia now I really do really mm-hmm. I mean the Brazil Colombia is going to be an interesting encounter I think it is. I mean, b- Brazil were the the runaway favourites going into the tournament. They probably still are regarded as favourites, but I don't think they've played mm. very mm. well. Um, they've not looked particularly uh, fluent. They've not played like like a Brazilian team of old. Certainly, Holland, Holland seem to have gone off people's radar because they turned up with a big Spain five one. Everybody said, "Oh, this looks like a good side." And then it, people seem to be writing them off now. But if you, if you look about it, they've shown everything. You know, the the, the, the spanked the top side in Spain, as I've just said, and. The, that overcame Australia were really plucky and they got through that test against Chile they did an excellent efficient sort of tactical number on them didn't they and yeah. in a game when they <coughs> they've just played against Mexico the, the the conditions suited Mexico Mexico kept the ball well and they showed that determination top sides need when you're two minutes from the end and you're losing they found a way to win and at the moment if you're talking about consistency found a way to win I think that's the appropriate terminology oh well you're going to go on about the dive thing aren't you yeah I didn't think it was a penalty, so... I thought it was. I thought it was a dive, but I thought it was a penalty. I just didn't think it was... I thought, I thought it, it was a penalty, but then I thought he dove afterwards to, to guarantee yeah, that he got it. I was it. just thinking, like, I just don't understand how he can fling himself in the air if he's been genuinely tripped. Yeah, it's a, I, th- I think it all goes back to, to referees, really. It's uh, um, because players don't trust referees to make good decisions. Um, they exaggerate every touch in the penalty area. Um, to to make it obvious that they've been fouled, and then they get accused of overreacting, and but they wouldn't have to act at all if they could rely mm. on the referee to spot the contact that is genuine. Mm. It's, I think it's was difficult. Ge- there was a genuine contact there, but I don't think it was a, a foul. That's that would be my. I, don't, I think yeah. he brushed his foot, but it just makes us laugh because the players pull the shirt off each other's backs in the penalty area and manage to stay on the feet, yeah. and then someone brushes the foot, and it's a trip. I, I just yeah. I, d- I don't know. I just think. There's, there's a bit of a, a funny situation there, I think. Okay, well, we're going to come back and we're going to mourn about England shortly. And I've got to tell you, yeah, we've got enough time to, to squeeze Just it in. Before maybe. we do that, though, we're going to hear from the second of our guests, uh, Premier League uh, sort of bloggers. Warren Stephen is a contributor for West Brom. He writes for a column for one of the papers down there. I think it's the Express and Star down that way, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's just been to Brazil, actually, 
who he got there after England were knocked out, which was bit, seems like a bit of an anticlimax. He got there for the Costa Rica game, which uh, I bet a lot of fans so. I bet a lot of fans done that though. They'll have thought, let's head out for the third game against Costa Rica. Probably going to be the one that takes us through. Not expecting to already be out there anyway. But we um, spoke to Warren earlier on to hear about how West Brom fans are feeling at present. Right, I remember just sitting at home the other week when the news broke West Brom had appointed Alan Irvine as their manager and I instinctively sort of thought was that the guy who was number two to David Moore at Everton? I can't be and obviously I'd done a bit googling as you do and it turns out it was him what were the initial thoughts that went through your mind? Um, I think underwhelmed is probably a word that was used quite a lot I think um I've been uh, I've got a, a sort of fixation for picking coaches. They did the same with Steve Clark, but I think even still there was uh, there was a group of managers out there at the time. I think probably Moyes, Mackay. I mean, might have been out of our league. We don't know, but I think there were a lot of people out of work who you could probably argue were less of a, a gamble. Say so. Uh, I think there was initially a bit of a backlash, but what can we do now? I guess yeah. we've got to get behind him, haven't we? You, so, uh, you, you start talking, you, you start talking yourself into these things, don't you? You start trying to find the positives and talk yourself into it, don't you? Um, it was a bit like yeah. it was a bit like Howard. Yeah, it was a bit like yeah, going back years when Howard Wilkinson came here. We we did the same thing, but that didn't work out in the end anywhere. I think he said, was that the interview where he said he was the most excited he's ever been in his life, in the most monotone voice you've yeah, ever heard in your life? Possibly. When he was just, uh, unveiled at your place. Oh, it, was one, it was one big horrible yawn fest, and we went down with 19 points. It was horrendous. But, um, oh, dear. You know, well, I don't want to try and uh, say that Alan, Alan Irvine's going to do that, but he's he did, am I right in thinking he took Sheffield Wednesday down a division? He's got a really underwhelming record, I think, at Preston and Sheffield Wednesday. And, uh, I mean, only looking at social media but there's a lot of people at both clubs who have got sort of less than complimentary things to say about him um, there's a few people that talk him up as a coach that say he's a good coach but um, as I say I've been I've got this fixation with, with head coach and a manager being two different things mm. personally I don't think it's that fundamentally different and the things that are different are say recruitment contractual stuff you still need someone to come in and lead a dressing room don't you at the end of the day so yeah. Whether it's going to work out, I don't know. But I think a lot's going to depend on on the next couple of months as well, because we've we've lost a lot of players and we need to bring a lot of players in. So, mm-hmm. so are you just hoping for could... you just hoping the stability this year? It's a buzzword we use a lot, but I guess it's relevant. Are you just hoping now because you're underwhelmed with the appointment? You just want a nice steady season and try not to flirt with relegation too much. Then, I think so. I think I think if you ask most Albion fans, survival is probably the first thing they'll say. Um, I mean. You saw yourself when we came to yours towards the end of last season. It was didn't play well. We got a lot of stick for that game. We've not really played well for 12, 18 months. We've been on a sort of consistent downward curve. Um, we're going to have to bring a lot of players in. You've obviously taken Jones. We've lost about another six or seven. So I think a lot's going to depend on, on the next couple of months. And obviously bringing in a manager that, that people might argue is a cheap option. I guess now we're looking at the chairman and saying, you know, where's your intent in terms of, of us staying up there in the transfer market really and I think Lescott's probably a good start but we'll we'll see who else we get Yeah I think that's a nice solid signing for you do you want to tell us some of the fans more about Billy Jones then? Um, yeah I mean first and foremost I mean we, we were disappointed to lose him really I, I, I certainly was I think I sort of mentioned earlier on about the, the downward curve of the last 18 months you could argue he's probably one of if not our best performers over that period really um, solid dependable reliable not going to pull up any trees but 
you know, he's not going to let you down either. He gets up and down the line. He uh, sort of provides an attacking, he sort of provided an attacking outlet for us over the last eighteen months when we've we struggled for goals. And yeah, I think we were genuinely disappointed to see him go. So mm. good luck to the lad, really. Like the way Poyet likes his fullbacks uh, to be comfortable on the ball and get forward. So I'm guessing he, he sounds yeah. like he's falls into that category. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's technically pretty sound, I think. I mean, he works pretty hard, good pro, decent touch on him. Um, I guess all modern fullbacks yeah. these days tend to be they good on the ball and get sh- forward, don't yeah, they? But well, they should be. I mean, I, he's not going to let you down. Mm-hmm. That, that's all I can say, really. He's a good pro, works hard. And, yeah, he's he's sort of been one of our shining lights, I guess, over the last 18 months. So, uh He's steadily improved, and if he keeps improving, then he's he's going to be a really good signing, I'd say. So, sticking with the theme of transfers between our two clubs, Stefan Sessegnon was he was a big fan's favourite here at Sunderland. Um, <laughs> at times, yeah. at times he was unplayable, but he always had that sort of um, the sense of that you, to get the best out of him, you almost perhaps needed to build a team around him. And frankly, he was too yeah. inconsistent for that. How how was he received down there? Um, hitting this, I think a lot of your fans probably said similar things. Really, I mean, he can win a game for you, and he can he can be anonymous, can't he? But uh, I mean, there's games where he's he's looked, as you say, unplayable. He drifts past men as if they're not there. He's got such a low centre of gravity that just glides past people, really. And then there are other games where, you know, he, he, he sort of drifts out of the game, really. Um, I, I I guess sort of. Uh, towards the end of the season he put in a, a few good performances and to his defence as well he's probably not had a lot in front of him I mean as you know we, we sort of lost Lukaku we lost Odo Wingy so um, we've been a bit toothless up front but I, I, I don't know I think he's got the potential as you say to be a very good player it's just is there ever going to be a day when he, he becomes a player that we all think he might be and, and, and if he was that player he probably wouldn't be playing for some London West Brom would he so I think you've, you've hit the nail right on the head there then do you think um, yeah. do you think you're in for a relegation battle this year then just quickly uh, this moment in time yes um, but we've you know we've got to bring in six or seven players um, so it could change like you said earlier on you talk yourself into these things don't you so uh I had a stand for 20 for about two weeks ago. I think I'm, I'm gradually moving up to about 16th or 15th. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes in the next few weeks. But I think survival stability, as you said, would be that would be fine. Who's better, Messi or Ronaldo? Part of the show where we acknowledge some of the unimaginative debates in the world. Um, I'm going to hand it over to Gareth this time. Which, okay. which, you're not, 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 not going to do your drum roll. <coughs> no, I shall do the drum roll. Yeah. Go on, I'll do the drum roll. Um, people mourn about transfer <laughs> fees. That's it. <laughs> With specifically the Luke Shaw thing, where people are kind of sort of spinning because he, he cost a lot of money. Um, he cost what twenty-five million quid. The six million quid going to Bournemouth for that, by the way. So that, that would have been factored into the fee and the fact he's what. How old, how old is he? Like eighteen, nineteen. So you're paying a lot of money for is a young the, player. Is the Bournemouth not the, from the Lallana one? Um, yeah. What am I talking about? You're right. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that was rubbish, wasn't it? That was, well, I was going to come <laughs> on to that. So I'm, yeah. I'm having a mare now. That's two. You did tell me to expose you earlier. <laughs> I'm on. off to Holland for some bacon sandwiches <laughs> to console myself. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, um, don't go by train. Yeah, yeah, yeah don't go by train. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually try. I try to go to Holland for a bait and sandwich and end up in Belgium. I've got the T-shirt there. Um, sell them at the train station. Um, but we aren't talking transfer fees. I mean, yeah. I think Lalana was. We're going to talk yeah. about that because it's funny that Liverpool seem to get quite a lot of criticism. I think you made this point earlier, Stephen, about when they spend a lot of money. There's a lot made of it. When Manchester United spend a lot of money, there's there's not. It, it's interesting. I think it's maybe because Dalglish sort of spent a lot of money, and maybe some of his signings didn't. Mm. I mean, work some out. some transfer fees, or for example, eight million quid Holopian for Snodgrass is ridiculous, and you would expect it. You know, it's fair enough. People are going to debate and talk about that, isn't it? But I think if a top club like Man U want to buy an English player, for you would hope they would give the club that much because if they went and got Luke Shaw for seven million quid, people will be saying that's outrageous that you can build a player up through the academy and put them in the England side and the Premier League side and only get seven million quid. Um, so. I mean, if, if you if you're going to bring in a, a top young young player, a player with you know a, a, you know many years of great great potential and future ahead of him, probably going to end up being uh, England left back um, sooner or later and probably for a, quite a long time. Um, surely it's surely it's better to pay big money to an, another English club than to see the money go go abroad to a, to a foreign club. Uh, even better in the case of Adam Lallana, where some of that money is is trickling down to a club lower down the pyramid. Um, you know, sh- surely that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And he's one you mentioned Lallana and Shaw. There, there are a couple of players um, alongside Barkley, Sterling, who have materialised in the last couple of years, really. Because every time England go out of a tournament, we'll have the predictable debate, don't we? Grassroots football is rubbish. Too many foreigners in the Premier League. We we'll have this every two years. There's an example of three or four players off the top of my head that have sort of appeared from nowhere. And, you know, we'll always produce players, in my opinion, and we're going to talk about this, see what you, you lads think about it. I think that football is too embedded in our culture and society for us not to. I think if people could be bothered to look up what, what's being done at youth level, they would be probably pleasantly surprised. And I think in comparison to other countries, the fact that we're qualifying for the tournament every well, apart from Steve McLaren's little episode, you know, we qualifying for tournaments. We haven't won anything since 1966, so it's not like we're underachieving suddenly, is it? And do you think people are getting a little bit carried away? And it, it, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's more a coaching issue. I think we, we're struggling with the coaches we're bringing through. I think it's a, it's a matter of our footballing culture, our identity. You know, if you look at, at the way that other teams play, they play to a, a, a certain pattern. You know, a, a national pattern. You, you play an Italian team, they play the Italian way. Dutch team, Dutch way, etc., etc. Spanish team have got the uh, tiki-taki football um, that, they, that they play now. Um, with England, in, th- in this country, we we value players that can run all day. Athletes. We talk about box-to-box midfielders. Um, we, you know, players with a good engine. Um, even even the fans cheer and uh, applaud a, a strong tackle. Um, you don't get that in other in other countries. They're more technical. They they believe in passing. They they they. Uh, it's skill and technique that's the important thing and, and that's where we've been left behind it's the skill and technique and it comes from the quarters doesn't it because like you've just said there you've just described the side you know I remember when Mick McCarthy was our manager um, and he appreciated players who, who put a shift in as he put it yeah. and, and that's the sort of British mentality isn't it I think if anything um, this just disproves and rubbishes the, the too many foreign players theory because if anything the English players would still be playing like that yeah. without the foreign lads coming over and teaching them yeah. how to play if you know what I mean well, it's it's more again it's back to if you look at the British coaches at the top level in the Premier League they're the ones who don't 
who encourage good football. So if we didn't have these foreign coaches and foreign players, I think we'd be more like Scotland are now. Well, if you if you you know you, you look back at when I was growing up watching football in in the nineteen eighties, whole teams were made up of uh, of these English style players, and the football in comparison to what we see now in in the Premier League is you know w- was garbage then. Um, you see, well, it people on. don't remember it like that, do they? It's no, strange. But, but if ever you watch, um, you know, the big match revisited when when they show it on ITV and they show games from from the eighties, mm. it, it's terrible, terrible football played on terrible pitches. Yeah. It's mm. uh, it's horrendous to watch, and, 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 and it's only when when the Premier League came and we were able to attract the top talent from ab- abroad that you got this mix of English endeavour and effort yeah. and and uh, continental or world skill that all of a sudden it becomes such an exciting prospect but but obviously for international football you strip all those skillful technical yeah. players out mm-hmm. I, gu- I guess yeah and, uh, exactly and, and I you're, guess left, one, and you're one, left with the runners and mm, the grafters and I guess one way you can look at it is if you say right okay pick out the England players who have you know who have excelled in the Premier League in the last few years and you look at Gerard Lampard Rooney I guess you could pose a question if they were surrounded by more English players not as good as them would they bring the level of those players up or would they come down to their level now I think the latter personally because they're playing alongside better players and in, in, in the, in they are improving their levels that's that's why I'm you know under the impression you, you look uh, you're always, always going to play better if you play if you're playing around yeah, exactly. b- better players. Exactly. But, but if, you, if you if you look at the players that we had there at the World Cup England, and you've got Steven Gerrard and you've got Jordan Henderson, and they used to play for Liverpool, and the Liverpool way is 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 worked around playing to Luis Suarez. So all of a sudden they're playing in the midfield, and you haven't got Luis Suarez there anymore. All of a sudden you, you're trying to pick someone out who, who plays completely differently with Wayne Rooney, and it just doesn't work the same. I think <coughs> there's. You know the the these the grafter thing, and that I, th- I think that's a good point. But at the same time, I think the England team could, you know, would benefit from having a couple of those in there to, to balance because we do we, we I think we're obsessed with individuals and not a side. I think the obsession to get all the best player that what perceives to be the best players into one team. Um, so that means that you've got to ask certain players who don't normally do those jobs at club level to do them for balance, and they don't want to do that. If you dropped a couple of them and brought in players who were going to give a platform for good players to to play on, yeah. um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you drop in a couple of you know less glamorous players who were going to provide balance to the team, then you know it, you're going to get the best out of the, yeah. the the selection of flair players. And if you look <coughs> at the bench, you know you might be able to take one of those flair players off and bring bring another one on um, yeah. it's not necessarily a case you have to accommodate them all and we, we I'd agree Gareth last, last night I looked at the, the the Belgian game was a case in point and I looked at Belgium's uh, the players that were left out of the starting 11 um, and there were lots of players in mm. there that I thought you know wow I would have played him you know they have players I'm, I'm trying to remember they had Morales was on the uh, bench Luc- and yeah Morales and uh, I think they had Lukaku on the bench they had uh, uh, Dembele uh, they, they, had, they had a perfectly good um, 11 players on the bench and, and you think well I would have played him instead of him but that's not necessarily the best team they might, you might have the you could pick possibly 11 best individuals but they're not the, the best team and you have to have a team that works mm. and that's, that, that's reflected certainly in England trying to shoehorn Gerrard and Lampard in the same midfield for yeah. years isn't yeah. it? That they try to do that year after year tournament after tournament and in qualifying when you're playing against weaker sides 
you're going to be fine with that because their individuality, their individual talent will see them through. It will overpower the opposition. Yeah. When 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 you're getting a tournament football, it's you know they should have been a bit more clever, shouldn't they? And, and try to look to see. We obsess who was the about best. the selection. Yeah. We obsess about the selection and whether Rooney's going to play and if he does, where he's going to play. Um, you know, why not just let the coach make the decisions? Mm. Let the coach make the calls, and if and if he gets the right results, then he's made the right calls. If he makes the wrong calls and gets the wrong results, then <coughs> then you can sack him or move him on or, or what, whatever. But let the guy manage. Don't put all the pressure on him that you've got to pick this guy and he's got to play here and he won't play there and it won't work if you play these two guys. Let him do it. I think everyone's got a theory of why why it goes wrong, but it's difficult. Uh, it's certainly you know. not the foreign players, though, is it? No, absolutely not. No, I mean. I, I think we would we could go on a, to to some uh, <coughs> situation and talk about Connor Wickham this week with the his um, I'm sure everyone's aware of the story with the um, where he's been drinking a rather expensive bottle of champagne apparently. Oh, story. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, um, man drinks drink. Rich, ma- rich <laughs> man, man well, drinks expensive bottle of wine. Man <laughs> buys drink relevant to his monthly yeah. income. Yeah. That was the the story, um, and I think that you know. There's this obsession as well that young players may be getting too much too soon. I think that's a fair point to some extent. Um, but, you know, people hark back to Gascoigne and two of the best tournaments that we had in the last 30 years revolve around having Paul Gascoigne in the team on both occasions. And, you know, he wasn't exactly, you know, the, the yeah. dentist chair in Euro 96. And um, he was never exactly, a, you know, a, a picture of health, was he? So even then... Yeah. So I think as well, as, as well, Gareth, you, you know, people will look at, um, at, at the Conor Wickham situation, but for, for what he did for Sunderland at the end of last season, I think most Sunderland fans would would, would agree he's entitled mm. to a bottle of champagne. And I think if you were one of the three or four thousand fans, or however many there were at Stamford Bridge to see him score those two mm. goals there, I think if, if he'd have gone round with the bucket and asked everyone to chuck in three or four pounds, he'd have probably got enough to pay <laughs> for that bottle yeah. of wine. Mm. I think maybe um, there's a <laughs> He probably got it for free, like like exactly. we were discussing off mic. Yeah. Yeah, likely it is he got it for free. And it's called me the cynic, but he maybe had a, there might have been a commercial interest from somebody in that. PR stunt written all over it. Yeah, I tweeted them, but they didn't send us champagne. <laughs> okay, I'd like to thank James Hunter for coming along, and we'll be back next week. Um, hopefully, something's moved on the Sunland front. Over and out. We are Spa. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.